Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Diabetes in the Raw. If you can hear a little uh, noise in the background, I've got a sick bub on my lap today, so excuse that, but I think you're pretty used to it. Today we've got a special guest who's currently going through gestational diabetes. So I did a really quick episode last uh, well, the last episode was a quick one just on what gestational diabetes is and a little bit about why Haley and I wanted to talk about it. And today we had an opportunity to get someone on who's currently going through gestational diabetes. So Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jamie. It's probably going to be a quick one, but I just thought we would go through a little bit about how Chloe found out about her diagnosis and her experience with that, and also just a bit about how it's all been going, how she's feeling, how the education process has been, what could be possibly done better, things like that. And then Haley will jump on probably in the next episode and talk about her experiences. So we know there's different experiences for everyone, and this is just one of them. So let's get into it, Chloe. How many weeks pregnant are you now? I'm 23 weeks. 23 weeks. And can you remember how many weeks you were when you were diagnosed? Yes, uh, I was only six weeks, which is quite early, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So have you got a family history of diabetes or anything like that that increased your risk? Yes, uh, my family have both type 1 and type 2 in there. Okay, so you did have the increased risk and probably one of the factors as to why you were tested early on. How did you learn about your diagnosis? Do you want to just run us through a little bit about, because I know some of the background and that's why you're an interesting case to get on. So do you want to tell us, you know, who did the testing and how all that sort of happened? Yeah, so the initially when you find out you're pregnant, you when you go to your GP, they just do that bulk lot of blood tests to test everything. And my levels came back slightly elevated. My GP said that it was fine, but I, at the time I was also seeing a private obstetrician who also got the results. Um, when I went and saw him the next time, he said that, it, you know, it wasn't fine and it's not okay, so it does need further investigation. So he sent me for that really delicious drink, Jamie, what's that uh, The oral glucose tolerance test. Yes, he sent me for that and that's when the results came back positive for that as well. Okay, so that was your private obstetrician that sent you for the follow-up? Yes, it was, yeah. And what, and what had the GP said in regards to follow-up from those initial bloods? Um, so wait to do the the drink one. What is the, it? The oral glucose tolerance test. We just say yeah. OGTT because it's easier, but it's that yeah, it's that big seventy five gram hit of glucose, that green, very thick liquid stuff. Yeah, delicious. So um, we were just going to wait to do that at the normal time that you do it during pregnancy, which is what about twenty eight weeks, I believe. Yeah, somewhere between twenty four and twenty eight. Yep. Yeah. So that was the initial plan. Um, just just to wait um, until then and see what that came back because it was too early to tell. Um, yeah, so I yeah was stuck in the middle there for a little bit. Yeah, and that's not an uncommon scenario actually to be, you know, told different things from different healthcare professionals as well. Okay, so you went and did that and then the results came back and who then told you that that oral glucose tolerance test was positive or what happened from there? 
Well, funny story. I got the results from my GP again as it was over kind of over the early Christmas period and my obstetrician was away for a little bit. Um, so I went back to my GP and got the results. Um, and I get always get my results printed off and just have a little folder just on the off chance that it doesn't um, get sent to, you know, all the places that you great know. Great idea. For, the, for listeners, that's um, a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I got him to, um, I got my GP to print it off for me and I just had it, he said it was all good, um, it was only slightly high and I just happened to look at it and it and the conclusion on the actual results themselves said consistent with gestational diabetes and then, yeah, it just, you know, made, made me wonder and where to from here. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I've heard that a lot. Oh, it's just slightly high. This happens with gestational diabetes and type 2. But there are clear criteria as to whether you, you were diagnosed with it or not. And as you said, the test itself said that you were. So not a great experience from the start. But luckily for you, you were <laughs> proactive enough to follow up. So what happened from there? Because I know you've got to get signed up to the NDSS so that you can get all your test strips and all that subsidized so yeah so I reached out to a private um, diabetes educator that I know and I just asked for their opinion essentially and what I needed to do um, from there and if it's something that could wait if I needed to follow it up urgently they you know recommended that I do get on top of it sooner rather than later Uh, so they signed me up um and just you know gave me the resources that I needed to to get on top of it that's crazy isn't it like first pregnancy no idea what to sort of believe and trust you you got results saying one thing a GP saying another but yeah good on you for following up so how have you gone since then in terms of diabetes management and that um diet medication you want to talk a little bit about what's happened since you diagnosis yeah so I was put on insulin it this would have only been maybe a week or two after um, I was put on insulin started off a real low dose um, just monitored my levels you know in fasting levels and after meals etc and yeah just slowly increase my insulin intake diet wise that's probably been the most difficult part of all this is it's it's hard knowing what's okay and what's not okay to eat and then on top of all that you know you've got what you can eat during pregnancy and then can't eat during pregnancy and then you've got the gestational diabetes on top of that just to make it a little bit more tricky um and then I also struggled a lot with morning sickness as well so that really limited my options and then, you know, get, came the guilt of of the diabetes and of the food. Like anything that went in my mouth, I was just, you know, had no idea what it was going to be doing to my baby more so than me. But, um, yeah, it's just it was it was hard and still a lot of oh, still is hard, still will be hard for a couple more months there. Yeah, because um, you, you become more resistant as your pregnancy progresses, which, which you've probably read and heard, but it's normal to need more insulin. But that can mean that your diet also, 
you know, what worked at 12 weeks may not work at 16 weeks, may not work at 24 weeks. So, and, and tell us, you didn't even get a dietitian. Are you still haven't had a dietitian consult in here? No, no, I'm still, I have not had that service as of yet. Uh, I do have another appointment coming up about uh, 26 weeks. So in a couple of weeks, I've got another appointment. This will be the first in-face appointment besides my private ultrasounds that I've that I've had. So you're this in will Victoria. be my first in, yes, in Victoria. So my first in-clinic consultation will be around that 27 weeks. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's the COVID thing that's still impacting and in my pregnancy, with type 1 diabetes, I think I had maybe three face-to-face consults as well and all quite late, so it's crazy. I hate to relate any type of diabetes, but I do hear a lot, of, and I can say it because I've got type 1, that, you know, gestational diabetes has an end point, so, you know, why do women complain about the strictness of the diet and that? But on the flip side, you have suddenly given this diagnosis. One day you don't have diabetes, the next you do, and at the same time you're growing a baby and you don't know anything about it so you're on this massive learning curve you've got to suddenly well potentially suddenly change your diet maybe take pills maybe take insulin it's a huge thing so you can't relate the two but i i can understand how difficult it must be and so what have you found the biggest burden and the biggest challenge i guess i mean there's probably heaps of challenges uh, biggest, the biggest challenge is definitely the food side of things. I mean, as just a, a average person with just standard knowledge of nutrition, etc. It's, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I'll, I'll just admit it. I, I don't really know what's, you know, what's good and what's bad. Obviously, you go to a, ba- a bakery, and you, you know, if you're getting a donut, that's not great. But it's all the stuff that you think is okay you know, like yogurt and all that stuff, you think, I I wouldn't think of yogurt to be a bad thing. But then, you you know, you look look into it and when you start looking into it because you have to, you go, oh, that's not as good as I actually thought it was. Yeah, and how many um, different yogurts are there as well? And it's not really about whether it's been, it's good or bad, but it's the impact it has on your glucose level as well sometimes. But the fact that yeah. you haven't had a dietitian appointment makes that even harder. And part of the reason for this podcast is for other women to hopefully share their experience but not feel so alone because you're one of so many stories where I've heard about the diagnosis not even being clear, then not getting the appropriate education and follow-up. If you were in just the public health service, you would probably have gone through all the avenues of the appropriate education and it can get tricky when you start with the GP, you've got a private obstetrician mm. here, then you go through a hospital. Like, you know, there was a few things that were going to make that harder, but the fact that you then tried to follow up and you're now in with a hospital who has a diabetes service and you still haven't had dietitian, like even a telehealth or a, or a phone call can all be done. So where are you getting yeah. where are you getting a lot of your information from? How have you found it accessible, easily accessible? So I found a couple of um, you know, reliable sources on Instagram. There's a couple of couple of pages I follow and whatnot. Um, I also, you know, on Google you Google something and you can get ten conflicting answers. So 
that was also difficult at the start, you know, what what's what's okay and what's not okay. So I've narrowed it down to a few pretty reliable sources. And we will post those links for some of those reliable sources like Diabetes Australia, the National Diabetes Services Scheme. There's there's other big, you know, like the Australasian Diabetes in Pregnancy Society. You know, I'll put all of this up in the links and that's a huge reason we're doing this is to help women hopefully find resources that can help them but also give them the confidence to probably follow up like you did and I know you've had a really hard time because you mentioned that the GP you sort of felt guilty asking the GP for follow-up in some scenarios because he said there's nothing to worry about and your levels were just a little bit high yeah yeah absolutely felt guilty I one one of the appointments I went back to kind of question everything and just um you know not not question him but just question whether what we were doing was the right thing for me and I actually made my sister come with me because I was too nervous to go alone and yeah it was just it was a horrible feeling to have to you know second guess his opinion um you know his professional opinion it was just I just it wasn't sitting right with me and you don't um, and you and- don't like offending people and you just you're not alone with that either you know even Haley's spoken about her experiences with her boys and healthcare professionals my boy's a very loud breather and he's asleep I do <laughs> apologize so you know I'm so grateful that you've got the confidence to jump on and share this I know we've been talking about it for a long time but it's because I've heard so much of your story from other women as well and it just there's so much work needed in this space to help women feel more supported at the time of diagnosis it's a really difficult time I reckon 50% of women that learn about their diabetes are probably in tears on the phone or in that consult when they're told and then the other who knows how many go home and cry and Mm. there's just not a huge amount of support and and those attitudes where oh it's just it's just during pregnancy and it's that's a great way to look at it in that by the at the end of pregnancy most people will not have diabetes you'll go on and you'll get a glucose tolerance test after baby's born to make sure that your glucose levels have gone back to normal but I just I just feel I'm super passionate about trying to make this space you know easier for women um so I'm just grateful that you've been finally confident enough to jump on and if after your baby's born or closer to the end of your pregnancy if you would jump on again that would be amazing because I reckon you probably helped at least five women today you know feel less alone and that's what this diabetes in the raw is about yeah no absolutely um now i've done it i'm okay (laughs) yeah yeah and it's not too scary um so is there anything else you would want to say to people out there who might be going through i'd say it's been a pretty negative experience for you and i know it can take away from the enjoyment of pregnancy as well yeah absolutely yeah yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just I feel like I'm so focused on the diabetes part of it that it I'm just forgetting, you know, there is actually a human growing inside of me and that it is you know, a beautiful thing and it's going to be all over. Yeah. Not long, but I'm just so focused on the diabetes part of it 
that I, I do feel like I'm missing out and yeah. in, not enjoying parts of it that I should should enjoy. But all all I can say is, you know, if, get a second opinion, get a third opinion. If you if you feel like something is not right, or if you're you're not happy with it, you you, you know you deserve deserve a second or third opinion and not to feel ashamed or anything that you know you might offend your GP or whatnot. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they're offended. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they're offended a yeah. lot. Um, but I also, you know, my GP, if I if I had any issues and didn't bring it up with him, he would be horrified if he found out. Yeah. So, you know, just have that open conversation and do what you need to do to get the support and get the help that you need to get through it. Yeah, and the beauty, you know, the beautiful thing now since COVID, out of all the negativity, you know, you can find someone that you gel with and it may be hard, but, you know, you wouldn't have had that oral glucose tolerance test, that beautiful drink you keep talking about, until, what, next week, and you would have been Mm. running high with glucose levels for the first half or more of your pregnant, more than half of your pregnancy while your baby's developing and, you know, the evidence is always changing. The research is changing. And it's not to say that in another year or two years or five years that the the criteria won't change and the target glucose levels won't change. But, you know, I guess you just want to find reliable information and, and look after yourself and baby as much as you can. So, yeah, absolutely. That's that's all, all you want as a soon-to-be mum is you're just prioritising that baby. Um, from the minute that you you know, from the minute that you plan for it to even be there, that's that's all you focus on. So yeah, you just need to do what you need to do to do that. Yeah, and because the other the other conflicting information you've had is the target glucose levels even now, isn't it? And and so women aren't confused. There are sort of two criteria or two guidelines out there, and it can be a bit dependent on how overloaded the service is. To be honest, because Unfortunately, we just can't give everyone the support and education and that they need with the the lower target glucose levels. So sometimes services might go back to the older guidelines. So if you are getting conflicting information there, again, it's just about probably following up and, and asking questions and not feeling scared to do that and then looking at the, the resources which we will put in the show notes as well. But, yeah, ask questions if you're not sure. If it's not sitting right, as Chloe said, I think find someone you're comfortable to talk to about it. And pregnancy is, is not something that waits. So, yeah, it's all no, about finding no, And if you don't want to do it for you like I didn't want to do it for me, do it, do it for the baby. Yeah. And, you know, out of gestational diabetes, a lot of positives can come and, you know the stuff that you learn about nutrition and and glucose levels and how your body works you can take forward from pregnancy and use it to help reduce your baby's risk of developing type 2 and your risk of developing type 2 diabetes and just take some of those healthy changes through with you so there are some positives for sure but it's very hard to see them sometimes when you've got so many other things going on and conflicting messages and yeah so Feel for yeah, you. Yeah, no, I think this this is definitely going to be a lifestyle change for mm-hmm. me, and any future pregnancies hopefully won't won't be a problem if I can minimise that risk. So, um, 
yeah, once once this is all over, it'll be it'll be great and a big learning curve for everyone. Your husband's learnt a lot through the process too, hasn't he? So it can be a big family learning curve and family change. And type one diabetes results in the same thing. You know, it's not it's not that you could eat one thing and the rest of the family eat something else. And I know you've got scenarios where that's happening. Um, and I guess during pregnancy, that's an extreme circumstance, but. You shouldn't have to feel completely deprived and just be eating <coughs> chicken, rice and vegetables every night or anything like that. There's my sick little man. <laughs> so, no, we, yeah, definitely, definitely he's um, learnt a lot and, you know, 100% supportive and if I served him chicken and rice every night with vegetables, he would be eating chicken and rice. <laughs> good man. He's a good man. The marriage will last. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I shall let you go. Thank you so much again. We'll get you on, yeah, hopefully towards the end of your pregnancy, you should, towards, you know, delivery date, but you never can predict these things. So we'll see how we go. And if we miss that, then we'll get you on afterwards when you've got spare time and we'll have two babies in the background. <laughs> we can have two loud babies in the background. Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Chloe, thanks again. Take care. Bye, Jamie.